0: If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live.
1: You're listening to the Aussie Cossack on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Aussie Cossack Show. Well, tonight I'm on a warpath and I invite you to be on a warpath with me because there's plenty of grievances that we have coming up to tonight's show. And those who are listening should be worried if they're worried. Uh, I don't think there's anything that uh, will leave unturned tonight. No stone or end unturned. Who knows what I'm talking about? Well, you can tune in and see tonight and guess. Maybe we'll make some revelations. Some very heavy revelations on there tonight. It's time to uh, make sure those people that deserve to be named are named. You know, those people who try to sabotage and create diversions and create uh, informational diversions. When you, if you're listening to this show, you're listening because you like to listen to Aussie Cossack. Now, who who out there thinks that there should be restrictions on what we can say tonight? I don't think there should be. And if we need to talk about uh, Russian politics, because that's the fact that we're in World War Three, the fact that uh, that's the major issue, the fact that that's trending on Twitter every second day or every first day right uh and to somehow restrict that i think is a poor poor effort now we're going to uh defiantly speak about russia and the reason uh some people don't want to speak about russia i don't know maybe they're scared maybe some western journalists are afraid you tell me if you think speaking about russia it should be off topic should that be a taboo topic Should that be a topic that's not allowed for discussion? Uh, We'll be joined tonight by other journalists, such as Tara Reid, a dissident from the United States, now made the move to Moscow. Shea Bell's coming up also. Someone who, from the United States, uh, also, sorry, should I say, from Ireland, on the other side of the Western world, also had... uh, an attack launched on him yesterday uh by Ukrainian media uh propaganda directorates and that that's uh quite a significant situation where the Ukrainian uh propaganda directorates are attacking Western journalists and it's one thing if they attack a Russian journalist you know that's expected but when they're attacking American journalists when they're attacking Irish journalists they're crossing into territory which is uh, very volatile there's only a certain extent of attacks on free speech that even the west is willing to tolerate so we'll be getting further to that uh, situation tonight on the air and any, anytime any time tonight you want to uh, have your say give me a call one eight hundred six 670 you're more than welcome to We'll talk about also uh, the australian government's historical stance uh, on diplomatic uh, asylum on situations and standoffs within uh consulates and embassies which is something of course i'm very interested in and uh, approaching the one-year anniversary in two weeks time of being held up in the russian consulate the question comes to mind where to and what will be the solution uh to this situation uh, well uh, that is a, a situation which I'm not uh, in a hurry to solve because uh, things take out it's not things have their natural course of solving themselves and there are a few different options available in these circumstances. Uh, we'll compare some historical examples uh, throughout the show tonight of how these situations have ended. When people are holed up in embassies or consulates they end differently they end sometimes uh, in a free passage agreement they end in a uh homicide murder suicide scenario they end in a evacuation physical extraction scenario they end in a prisoner exchange deal they end in a surrender they end in a storming of the building so who knows how this story will end but uh, uh we'll go through some historical examples tonight. Because uh, history has a way of repeating itself, really. And South America is an example of where these uh, diplomatic asylum hold up in the embassy consular situations uh, historically, since the uh, you know, 15 1600s, have been very common. And South American countries uh, have been more or less the basis, the illegal precedents, the euro and de facto basis for international law when it comes to viewing uh, these asylum situations or these diplomatic protection situations and how they end there are a growing number of Western journalists who have made the trip to Moscow who made the decision to travel to Russia Uh, and it's just unfortunate many times I repeat this it's just unfortunate that Julian Assange himself didn't surrender or didn't defect to a Russian diplomatic mission. It was unfortunate to be uh, dealing with the Ecuadorians, and they certainly didn't uh, have the uh, fortitude or the strength uh, or the uh, independent sovereign uh, decision-making capability to withstand the pressure from the Western powers. Uh, So one of those dissidents who has made the move to moscow and it's a pleasure to welcome her to the show it is tara reed tara good evening welcome to saturday night live with Ozzy kozak
2: nice to be here and congratulations on your recent russian citizenship that was really good to see and i'm really glad that that went in that direction
1: thank you very much i'll uh, take that congratulations it's much appreciated and i hope uh, uh everyone uh, from the west who is seeking russian citizenship is able to obtain it i'm sure you've uh, made uh, some type of inquiries as well uh, no doubt uh, for your own behalf
2: yes yes um and you know uh, maria butina has been um instrumental in really helping me uh get settled and everything and of course rt i'm a, a contributor for rt international and uh, geopolitical analysis you know because before i all this happened with uh getting in the news about biden i was a uh, you know, I had my law degree and studied international relations, and I've worked for the U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, Homeland Security. So I'm very, uh, very well-versed in American politics as well as geopolitics around the world. And um, so it's been wonderful to be able to do that work freely and not under threat like I was in America. Um, and as you know, and as you mentioned, I did come to Moscow, although I was here for a vacation initially, and to oversee the translation of my book that's been published, Left Out, When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. And when I was here, it was getting—it's getting, it's getting uh, published this winter in Russian. I was overseeing the translation, and I was here for five days. And then during that period of time, several um, former U.S. intelligence, as well as a U.S. congressman, Matt Gates, gave me a warning that my life was in immediate danger—not my physical safety, not just being in prison—and also that I might be in transit, picked up um, by authorities, or arrested and put in prison similar charges to what maria butina faced um and and others in january 6 um just the way they're persecuting a lot of american citizens with the foreign um, agent act um, there is a sealed case in the united states right now against me um a grand jury was impaneled i don't know what it is and my lawyer's been unable so of journalists to find out what it is it's assumed it's not pleasant um but the but the bigger issue here Simin, is that um What's happening is the Biden administration, the Biden regime, let's call them that, because I don't think he was legitimately elected. That's my opinion. Um, I think that they are weaponized, the DOJ and the FBI. And I don't I'm not the only one who thinks that Um, there's now hearings in Congress about the weaponization. And I was supposed to testify before Congress. And I think that's why they made strong moves to prevent that. Um, you mentioned uh, other journalists like Shea Bose. There's Alina Lipp, who's from Germany, Germany, who's also being persecuted. We're all on the Ukraine kill list, um, as well as other lists, because...
1: Congratulations. I, it's, a, it's a badge of honor. We're proudly.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and they've done some media hits on me. Apparently, they talk about me in the Ukraine media. I'm not sure to what extent. I don't really pay attention to that. Um, but what's interesting is... Um, they're targeting of Western uh, like I'm a geopolitical I'm an author writer. They're targeting me. They're targeting Shay. They're targeting Alina and others um, as well. And Igor Laporenik, the director Oliver Stone, um, because of their really riveting documentary that unleashed the history of you you know called Ukraine on fire. And you know Western media tried to suppress that as well. And of course Ukrainian the Kiev regime tried to suppress it. Um, I spoke out against the uh, about what Biden would do in 2019 when I was talking about my personal case against him, but also I, I said that if Joe Biden was elected, he would start a war with Russia in 2019. This is before the military operation began, and it became clear uh, later on, as we all know, that we're in World War III now. Joe Biden actually did follow through because I knew the hawks and the bureaucrats that surrounded him and what their plans were. And their plans were to try to weaken Russia because it's become a powerhouse, a, a obviously a global power after the 90s. It's it rebuilt under the leadership of Vladimir Putin. And um, I can say that living here in Moscow has been the best decision I've ever made in my life. I'm thriving. It's beautiful. The middle class um, is thriving here. The West doesn't want you to know that. Um, but it's it's a really great way of life. The, the Russian people are warm and friendly. I'm trying to learn the Russian language. Um, but you know, see This is uh, it's amazing how I was embraced when I was in trouble. Uh, RT was there. Maria Butina was there. Other Russian people were there to protect me. And the Russian Federation gave me asylum. And I will be forever grateful for their protection of myself um, and my family. And you know, by proxy, and just by taking me in. Uh, when I had nowhere to go, and I could have been killed or um, put in a prison, put in solitary, and left.
1: You mentioned that you had warning uh, when you were in the United States. You were warned by an intelligence officer United States Intelligence, you mentioned, and then you made the decision urgently to emigrate uh, from the United States to Russia. Uh, I found that no, fascinating.
2: No, no. I, was I was in Moscow. I had I was three days in my trip and started getting... Um, information that if I tried to go back, I might be arrested in Turkey, in Istanbul, or in the Seattle airport. And um, what I later found out was there was probably going to be a Seattle airport. They're going to make a big press thing about it. And it was probably going to be the f- right before I testified before Congress. They wanted to put a pin in it and basically call me a Kremlin agent and a liar and try to just get that away from Joe Biden's campaign and the election year that was coming. Um, they how, did I,
1: how did a U.S. intelligence uh, agent managed to warn you when you were in Moscow already by that stage?
2: It was former former intelligence, so whistleblowers that I was in contact with. And um, a couple of them, I can't really say they're former, you know, they're not with associated. And one of them is well known and I can't reveal, but they sent me a message uh, through means and said that I was in immediate danger of having an Interpol or an arrest warrant, possibly in Turkey, and said, please, you know, you have people here that will help you Stay, don't go back. And so what, I had an. What was the
1: what was the uh, impo- impending uh, impending charge that they were going to put to you?
2: I did an interview with uh, Channel One with Maria Butina, and it was violation of sanctions. Even though my lawyer later found out that's not a violation of sanctions. But in the United States right now, as you know from some of the January Six people, they can hold people up to eighteen months with no charges and no access to counsel. Um, And so they didn't really need too much. They would just say, oh, she worked for RT or channel one is actually sanctioned and um, just start the process and then accuse me of FARA. According to my lawyer, they think the FISA hearing, a FISA hearing in the United States is when they do a hearing where they're not uh, required to have warrants to surveil you. They think that happened immediately in 2019, uh, that that the DOJ moved as soon as uh, Biden was able to kind of orchestrate that. So they spent a lot of money and time. um, And you know, in the future, it will reveal like uh, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story, of course, and my story, but in my eyes suppressing what happened to me and me telling the truth about my experience with Biden and the Hunter Biden laptop, that's election interference. And I think all of this and over the next year is gonna be revealed as that. A direct election infer- interference, and that is a loss of democracy if a sitting president can manipulate the DOJ and the FBI to, to do what they're doing. They did the same thing with Assange. Or They were watching a slow public execution of Julian Assange, and every single journalist worth their salt should be frightened by the way the U.S. is, you know, he's not a U.S. citizen, is using the long arm of the law? I think illegally. I don't think they have the purview to do what they're doing, and they are anyway to extradite him to the U.S. Um, as he sits in Belmarsh Prison in London. And you know, it's 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 because he embarrassed the Empire. He he revealed the coup in twenty fourteen in in Kiev. He revealed you know the civilian drone strikes. Uh, by Obama and other things that embarrass that empire. And so now, you know, they're going after him. And my concern, you know, for journalists like Shea Bose is, you know, they recently had a conference in Dublin about him, calling him subversive. And this was the American ambassador and the Ukrainian ambassador. And so they're really going after any of us that is speaking out the truth, that is doing our work, and they're trying to silence us and suppress us. And, um, you know, all we can do is keep being loud and fighting back. I have huge admiration for you, Simeon. You are standing your ground, staying in the embassy and and getting your Russian citizenship. I just hope we can get you to Moscow soon, safely, and, um, you know, if you want to come here. And, uh, you know, I hope that your persecution ends as well. But I'm glad you have a loud voice in the media sphere. And thank goodness for TNT. Well,
1: that's very kind of you. Thank you. Do you think there should be, or have you noticed, any uh, attempts to suppress... uh, you or other journalists uh, from talking about Russia?
2: Absolutely. I just got my channel three days ago completely demonetized in YouTube um, because of my discussions about uh, the proxy war that the U.S. and NATO is fighting Russia via Ukraine. I um, So that was done. I've had monetary apps, de- you know, taken down. Um, I've also been deboosted and silenced on Twitter uh, because I – I spoke uh, harshly about the genocide, and I said this is a U.S.-orchestrated thing with Israel uh, to subjugate the Palestinians and and committed genocide. And I was outspoken about that, so I've been de-boosted and and uh Well, let's let's hope
1: you're not forbidden to uh, talk about Russia and other topics uh, at least yeah. on this no, station, it's here. TNT Radio. It's here. Uh, but stay yeah. tuned, and we'll find out uh, what that's all about on the other side of this break. Uh, don't go away. Jeremy Nell on TNT
0: Radio. Being South African, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been
2: under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I?
1: Yes. um, Since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second
2: day. Um, So it averaged averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of
1: society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders.
0: Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Radio
2: works because of its ability to personalize to the listener.
0: What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars. It's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT.
1: Talking to Tara Reid, uh, American journalist, uh, dissident. could call her In now located in moscow relocated and uh, loving life enjoying life enjoying uh, the russian uh, hospitality of the people the state and uh, in general uh, what you see around you in russia always very welcome even before any of these uh, military situations and political scandals if you were ever to visit russia as a foreigner you would have noticed whether in the soviet days or in the uh, post-1991 russia that there was always a special attitude towards foreigners. Russians were very welcoming and accommodating. And tonight, Tara Reid is confirming that that indeed is the case. Uh, Tara, one uh, piece of breaking news from Russia, which I wanted to uh, run by you as a foreigner in Russia, as you are at the moment, you would have heard in the last few days, in the last 48 hours, that uh, the Russian Interior Ministry Plans, or is looking at potentially uh, asking foreigners who are inside Russia to sign a loyalty pledge. Have you heard about this? Yes. Uh, the Western media, of course, is going uh, bananas about it, and there's always two versions. There's the Western media narrative, then there's the Russian uh, official narrative, and then there's somewhere in between, perhaps, which I'd love for you to uh expand on what is the uh, common sense middle ground. But I'll start with the Western media's view first. Now, the Western media uh, never miss an opportunity to take a stab at Russia, to take an attack at Russia and to spin any news possible uh, in in an anti-Russian, russophobic manner. And this situation is no exception. Uh, Western outlets screaming with headlines, claiming that the Russian... uh, Interior Ministry, so effectively the Russian uh, inner state police uh, apparatus, uh, have proposed introducing a loyalty pledge uh, for foreigners uh, to sign upon entering the country. Uh, Now, the Western media claim that this is a way to force more stringent controls on public dissent uh, in connection to the special military operation, which is being run uh, since already approaching soon, the second year, in February, there'll be an anniversary coming up. Uh, But uh, the rules of of loyalty, this loyalty proposed pledge, and again, this is the Western media version, uh, to prohibit uh, free speech and so forth. But really, uh, you can already see uh, there's a red flag already as soon as you hear these kinds of accusations. uh, My view on this is that many foreigners... In the context of russia's special operation being in russia would be more than happy to uh, affirm their loyalty and their support through some type of a pledge and there is in my opinion uh, there is great grounds for this because foreigners in russia are not only foreigners from the west we're talking about also foreigners from russia's republics who uh take advantage of uh, life in Russia, of infrastructure in Russia, of social benefits of living in Russia, of employment in Russia, and increasing in high wages, especially in comparison to some of these former republics where they've come from. And whilst the men are on the front line, the Russian men are fighting, uh, it's important that back amongst the cities and the towns, amongst the uh, general day-to-day life in public, where women and children remain, uh, and the... uh, wives and families and children of those men who are fighting on the front line. Uh, They need to feel safe. They need to uh, have a Russia, a Russian society that preferences them, uh, that Russian women and children in time of war uh, can feel absolutely safe. And one of those factors is about mitigating the potential, uh, you could say, uh, risk factor, from foreigners now we can't just put everyone in the same basket can we uh, in in terms of foreigners but uh, there have been many instances in the 1990s in the 2000s and the 2010s of foreign you could say uh, instigators propagators uh, propagandists uh, people located in russia working for dubious western non-government organizations all sorts of institutes and democracy now and european values and american democracy funds and uh, think tanks which really uh have now been uh, cleaned up and rightly so i'm very pleased myself personally that the russian government is taking such a staunch approach to these type of activities because it's these organizations that actually then orchestrate coup d'etats around the world uh,
0: absolutely
2: like the soros foundation did in kiev yeah
1: hmm yeah and no, no, that's the way i interpret these foreign uh loyalty uh, mm-hmm. ag- agreement uh, proposed laws aimed at these type of people tara what's your take
2: um i i agree with you completely and and being here i can tell you this the russian people are so warm and so accepting of the fact that i'm american and may not even know my full story but still accept me just on face value which i love but i also you know hope that they have caution too because for, not for me, but for, for other foreigners coming in, because I have observed um, attempts for sabotage. I mean, there, there's no question there are people here from intelligence communities that have tried to infiltrate. I think that I would have no problem signing the loyalty oath. I, you know, I'm a guest in this country. I'm under asylum. The Russian Federation has protected me and given me safety and, um, you know. Would it, would it make
1: and- you feel more confident if you if you signed that loyalty oath? Would you feel personally at ease or would it make you feel less comfortable?
2: I'm neutral. It's whatever the Russian government would ask. I mean, when you're a guest in another country, you want to adhere to their laws and their their sovereign rule. And I can understand they're wanting that because, you know, they've had sabotage in the past. We are. You mentioned earlier at the top of the hour, we're in World War Three. I mean, there could be a terrorist attack from within Russia, and so they have to prevent that. They have to take preventative measures. I mean, the U.S. does quite aggressively. Look how aggressively the U.S. goes after Russian nationals with no background in intelligence, no political affiliations. Look at how they targeted Maria Butina and put her in prison. And she was not a spy. And that's already been revealed. And for your audience, if they're listening, if they don't want to believe just what I'm saying, look at the article, The Spy Who Wasn't. Maria Butina. just Google it. That article goes through how she was set up and basically used to um, start a case with this administrative act, the Foreign Registration Act in the United States. And then now that act is being used against American citizens um, to imprison them when they don't follow the narrative. But hers was one of the first cases and she suffered greatly. Um, You know, you can read her book about that, Prison Diaries, um, and it's really interesting. Her experience but i've heard other um mira tirada was also targeted and imprisoned by the american government and you know you have people that um go to i mean russian people that go to the united states that are treated horribly and not given justice now in reverse you know in russia they're very careful like the people that they um have brought forward you know brought into their you know have violated the law like for instance there was a, a basketball player she violated the law she was carrying something that, that's illegal in russia another um is a journalist from uh, the wall street journal that journalist has been found they found he was doing espionage um and that's their finding.
1: yeah
2: yeah so so my my thing is yes there there's right now we're in a very difficult position but this was all you know the western um uh, media and the Western elites brought this about, they brought about creating an enemy of Russia, right? This, because Russia is not the enemy. How many times did Vladimir Putin over the past like decade or more say he wanted a partnership with the United States and reached out in very sincere ways? And how many times was Russia lied to? And I'm saying this as an American. I watched it. I watched it over and over again. And when I was a low-level staffer, because you you have access to rooms and things and listening to things, I was in my 20s and I heard things back then. This is right after the fall of the Soviet Union and, and when they were rising back up, but it was it was still difficult 90s, right? Um, you had Biden, these people, the same people that are in power now, saying in the back rooms, Russia will never come to power. They will never have a seat at the table globally. They, they really have done everything they could to prevent it. So, I fully understand Russia's position and skepticism when a foreigner enters right now, and to watch. And you know, I, I think it's it's prudent, and I think it's the most important priority is you know your nation's sovereignty and protecting its citizens. Um, well, we, so I just, we we, we, we mentioned
1: it. we mentioned that the, the Western media has its own view on this. The Russian media has their view, and the Russian media uh, says that these. This draft law, which is still under a draft law, would require foreigners arriving in Russia to sign a document forbidding, I quote, hindrance of activities of state authorities of the Russian Federation, discrediting in any form the foreign and domestic state policy of the Russian Federation, public authorities, and their officials. Uh, When that that, uh, phrase is uh, then spread around the West and the Western media, you can see how they would react to that, how they would see that as being something nefarious. But from a Russian perspective, do you think that foreigners like yourself, who are in Russia for the right reasons, who are in Russia mm-hmm. because you are, uh let's face it, you can use the word love, love Russia, I'm sure you do. Uh, if, you, if you didn't love Russia, you probably wouldn't be there. And does it make you feel more comfortable when you know that um, all the foreigners around you, that you meet and interact with in Moscow, potentially will be people who have then signed this pledge. So there's a certain responsibility, this is about uh, a responsibility that is carried. Once you enter the, the Russian Federation, If you, even if you're a foreigner, you, in effect, are uh, taking on a responsibility. You're not just there to party and have fun. There is a war going on. Russia is fighting the military-industrial complexes of 50-plus countries, 50-plus countries. It's holding the line effectively. Uh, Russian men are spilling their blood, dying on the front lines. The Russian country is fully mobilized on a war footing. It's not a joking matter at all. And to forbid people from talking about Russia in such a critical time where we really are in World War Three. I mean, how can you not talk about World War Three? Now, how can you continue trying to pretend to talk about other things that are relevant, re- Relevant, saying, oh, you know, let's talk about, let's keep talking about climate change, or let's keep talking about COVID, or let's talk about vaccines every day, you know, for the next two years. Okay, I think the vaccine issue is pretty clear and fair enough. Everyone understands it. Uh, whereas the Russian issue is not clear, and this is where we need to talk about it. People need to hear uh, what, especially what Western analysts what foreigners uh, have to say what western journalists have to say and uh the reason for that is because the informational war is almost as important as the war on the ground we've yes. seen that many times if the informational war is being waged poorly uh, inadequately that it, that affects the situation on the battlefield and we'll talk about that later in the program with shay bows who's been the recipient of a Ukrainian government propaganda attack but this draft legislation that the Russian Supreme Court uh is uh, looking at now the requirements of foreigners in Russia uh, sort of loosely uh mirror those requirements for Russian citizens who can be jailed for up to 15 years for intentionally spreading uh disinformation that is seen as discrediting the Russian military Uh, or the Russian government or the Russian military's efforts in the war zone. Uh, We see every week almost, or several times a week, traitors being arrested all around Russia by the FSB. You can see raids, people getting arrested, people walking down the street, people being discovered carrying explosives or Molotov cocktails or passing on information to Western agencies or Ukrainian intelligence agencies. Because let's face it, the Korean intelligence agencies is just an extension of the Pentagon now they're just yes. a proxy of the Pentagon completely uh
2: side yes very much
1: and and look we've seen those arrests we've seen those arrests across Russia and if you've been a regular listener of uh, my show you would have remembered on the 24th of June when the uh, mutiny was occurring the Wagner mutiny uh, in yeah. Rostov, and Rostov and on the way to Moscow that morning when it was all unfolding i said there's going to be now a wave of arrests and this is excellent this situation is an excellent situation opportunity in fact for the russian uh, it's called the the government structure the, you know the power of the government the longevity of the government the credibility of the government the strength of the government in a strategic sense uh, to, to weed out traders as you saw on the 24th of june you were in russia at that time yourself and you saw the atmosphere in society uh you you saw even some journalists you probably would know some got it wrong some backed the wrong horse so to speak some people saw what was happening they saw that there's a you know convoy of military trucks and tanks and vehicles and um, Prigozhin had gone on a bit of a wild uh, tangent and some people got it wrong didn't they
2: yes they did and I think you know, like I, I my personal stance during that time, I, I remember being asked at that time, and I was like, "Look, I'm a guest in this country, and I don't know the inner workings of, of the politics. And it would be really, I'm a geopolitical analysis. I can, I can give you a long view or a high up view of interactions between countries. But when you're getting down and in in, into the grittiness of personalities that are close to the Kremlin or leadership, I have no idea, and I'm not going to pretend I do. And and anyone who did. At that time was kind of you know they kind of exposed because because you you know it's very closely guarded what's going on internally and it should be because the west has been just absolutely relentless in trying to topple uh kremlin leadership from within
1: destabilize from within
2: yes that's their their
1: method that they've done all over the world
2: mm -hmm, absolutely i mean you know you look back kissinger just died so you look back at, at chile right Um, and Pinochet and how that the fascist regime was installed and then thousands of people were tortured and brutally killed. And there was a legitimately elected, you know, President at that time. So, so what you know? What is happening with the U.S. that that they think that they can go into sovereign nations and change the leadership? Well, they did it in Kiev, didn't they? Right. They they tried to and under the guise of democracy, always under the guise of democracy. But the U.S. itself isn't a democracy anymore, and that's the hypocrisy. So, Simeon, to go back to what you're saying about the loyalty oath and and the Western media's take. I think it's so hypocritical of them because they're talking about having censorship boards and they have think tanks dedicated. You know, Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi just testified a couple of days ago again before Congress about the labyrinth of intelligence that has infiltrated social media to influence and and, and get um, manufactured consent from the U.S. citizens to basically go to war with Russia, to basically possibly go to war with Iran, um, because that's where they want to head, right? So, and these endless wars, right? So, you know, I think that the Russian government, rightly so, has to do what it needs to do, as you said, to put Russian people first and their, and their citizens and protect their nation. If I'm asked to sign the document, I, of course, will. Um, I have no problem. Anyone who has a problem with it, I think, um, you know, they, do they just need to ask themselves, why are they being hypocritical? Because in the West, they may not make you sign a document, right? But if you're, if you're a Russian and you're going over to the West, they'll target you, surveil you, and possibly imprison you on whatever they decide they want to do. So at least with this, it's a document that's legally actionable. And, um, you know, it's a mechanism uh, for for for, you know, to kind of bring forth out and weed out intelligence. Because you have the, you know, the U.S. CIA, you have, uh, Great Britain's MI6, MI5, and Mossad all working together to try to create, you know, chaos, basically. And um, personally, I would feel safer if I knew the foreigners around me were vetted.
1: You that, know, that that, they that's, were- that, that's an excellent uh, excellent thought. You as a foreigner have said tonight on day Radio that you as a foreigner would feel safer in Russia if you knew that the other foreigners around you in mm-hmm. Moscow were vetted. Uh, hold that thought we'll be back straight after this break on tnt radio
0: with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea it's for the greater good have you noticed how often you've heard that expression mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away the greater good it connotes the old phrase the common good right we're doing this for the common good and we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income, but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? Never seems to be greater for me or for you. But always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why? Well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine What's in the greater good and for whom? This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in Ireland, it's in the EU, it's in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary is how many democratic regimes want to emulate the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAInstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. There are
2: 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America.
0: You're with the Aussie Cossack on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Welcome back to the Aussie Cossack show live on a Saturday night. Going from uh 7 p.m Sydney time up until 12 midnight tonight uh with a marathon every night every Saturday night you're welcome to join the conversation at any time on 1-800-670-310 before the break we were discussing with Tara Reid uh, on the loyalty agreements that are proposed to be soon offered to foreigners within Russia Tara you mentioned something before the break which uh, I found fascinating That you would feel safer if you knew that the foreigners around you in Moscow, other Americans, Brits, Australians, uh, had been subject to signing a loyalty agreement. I could just imagine uh, this going down quite shortly in Moscow. Do you think there would be foreigners in Russia who would refuse to sign uh, this type of a loyalty agreement or contract?
2: I mean, I, I guess there would be, um, and then that would have to be scrutinized, wouldn't it? Because
1: it's a red flag, uh, isn't it?
2: It is, I believe so. I think it would be a red flag because if you, if you really have a sincere interest in doing your work, but doing it properly, um, you know, you're not going to be hassled But I have it. I mean, I've been allowed to do my work. I work for RT granted. Um, as, so I have that, you know, that apparatus of protection of working for a media company. But even if you were independent, like I do an independent podcast, I don't feel like I have to answer to anyone or ask any questions. I feel complete freedom here. And um, there are journalists who are critical of, of, you know, where they live. I feel like my um, critique is focused right now because I'm an American, because the American government has gone after me with everything they had, um, you know, after my family as well. Um, You know, my critique is directed towards that and the weaponization and the way democracy has if it ever even existed, has gone from the United States. So, so my my work is different. You know, you can't speak for every individual case, but but I can guarantee you, if a foreigner's denying that they want to sign something like that, then eh, that's a that's a definite red flag, and I would look at that um, carefully. You know, I'm I'm you know. I, I had been told, like, why did you go to Russia? You know, you're Irish background, I'm Irish background as well. Um, why didn't you go to Ireland? Why didn't you go to, I couldn't go to anywhere in the EU, they would have handed me back over to Joe Biden on a silver platter. Um, and I really had a fascination and a love for Russia. I'm not Russian. I had a cousin that was is married into a family that's Russian. But other than that, no connections. Um, and I, but I love it, and I'm acclimating here. Once I learn the language, I think it'll even be better. I'm learning about the culture, the thousand-year history, the contributions to world history. And all of the propaganda that I was fed as a child and a teenager in America, in the school systems, has been blown apart. I mean, I got, it's so different here than what I was taught. And I really want your Western audience to hear me when I say you're being lied to. You're being lied to by the Western media, by New York Times and Washington Post, not just about my case, but about, about the perception of Russia. And the other thing, Simeon, that's really amazing is how welcoming Russians are. If they hear me speak English in the street, sometimes they'll run up and say, hello, you know, and I speak a little English from school and want to practice. And I've never had anyone be hostile to me in any way. And um I've had nothing but good experiences. And not necessarily, you know, people know who I am. I'm just someone, you know, going about my daily life. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that there's a real warmth, and you don't have the Russian government um doing the same thing with the Russian population, trying to propagandize against the web. You really don't see that. Um, you see an openness and a love from the Russian people. And I really want the Australians and Americans and Europeans that are listening right now to hear me and and travel here find out for yourself and sign the oil loyalty oath <laughs>
1: <That's kind> of- <laughs> great a great pitch for the uh proposed uh, loyalty oath rules uh, I wonder what kind of penalties will apply for those Westerners who sign the old loyalty oath deceptively and then they then uh break it because to break a written contract if you've signed an agreement for example if you've signed a confidentiality agreement perhaps even a commercial one we're not talking about even a government level here talking about let's say if you were a a person who's a consultant or a lawyer and you're doing business right you're doing business in moscow and you're a foreigner and you've signed a confidentiality agreement right for whatever company you may work for exxon mobile chevron coca-cola tesla mercedes-benz you know they don't want you giving uh, their opponents their competitors right at shell at bp at bmw you know at pepsi now, They i don't want you giving the res- the recipe for coca-cola for example right or the recipe ingredients for the big mac sauce and you have to sign a confidentiality agreement right that's fair enough you're protecting uh in a way that brand and if you then go against that confidentiality agreement and you've accepted money for that on a commercial basis and you've then broken the agreement let's say you've leaked a document for example let's say for example you've leaked a list or you've leaked some type of uh commercial secret specifically which you were told not to i mean there would be repercussions wouldn't there there would be repercussions in business there would be repercussions in terms of your reputation how can the how can we deal with this person in the future and i suppose if a foreigner remaining in russia is able to Uh, sign an agreement and stick to the agreement and keep the agreement that would actually elevate that foreigner's uh, position in Russian society because the Russians would know well we can trust this person and at a time of war at a time of sanctions at a time of uh, surveillance and unprecedented levels of surveillance from all uh, Western governments and I'm sure every foreigner in Russia would be a person of interest to Western intelligence agencies no doubt the first question they'll be saying is what are they doing there who are they meeting with why are they there how can they possibly be you know contributing to putin's russia so from all directions there's interest and at least by signing a loyalty agreement or other agreement for example a commercial confidentiality agreement you know if you were going to go into business over there it's the same thing it gives peace of mind to those people around you to those people who are working with you and in this instance if it's on a government level it gives peace of mind uh, to society. So at yes. least Russian people, the Russian population knows that, well, during the Special Military Operation, Russia's population is 147 million, and those uh, perhaps half a million, 500,000 foreigners, let's just say for uh, an example, who are subject to signing a loyalty agreement, that they've signed it. I think that brings peace of mind to the local Russian people around you. And it also does a lot to build your own reputation your own credibility the next time you walk into a bar or a restaurant or you get on a tram or get into a taxi people know you're a foreigner but then they also know well if you're a foreigner but you're here that means you've signed a loyalty agreement well that means we can trust you and we can talk to you and we can talk about politics we can talk about war we can talk about the economy We can talk about uh, the country's leadership in a way which would not be compromising uh, to either party involved, right? There's the stigma, right? Oh, foreigner, straight away. There's, of course, there's a heightened sense of interest. But at the same time, people are conscious, aren't they, of that terror, the fact that you're a foreigner? So there's there's a certain way they treat you. You're telling us that it comes across in a positive way, in a very hospitable way, that Russians are showing their hospitality. You you must also confirm, uh, surely, that sometimes you sense that because you're a foreigner, people are a little bit, um, you could say, um, slightly conservative in the way they approach your character, knowing that you're a foreigner. Am I correct?
2: I mean, and I think it's because, too, I work for RT and RT is very beloved here. Um, and and so my welcome has been pretty, but pretty much people have been very open hearted and open, open with me and like trying to encourage me. I've been I myself have been a little bit, you know, to myself because my problems have never been around Russians. It's the expats I'm concerned about. I've been a bit targeted. So I'm really I I, I don't even go to those gatherings. I I can't, you know, like I'm I'm I just can't. Um, for security reasons. Um, so I stay with Russians and, and want to integrate into their society. But so, really, so, so you're
1: saying you, you avoid hanging out with expats in Moscow?
2: Pretty much. I mean, I know Shea, of course, he's a colleague, he's a friend, he's an amazing journalist. I you know There are people that I do, I have some close friendships, of course. But, you know, yeah, I'm cautious. I've had people walk up to me while I was eating lunch, like an American walked up to me and said, started speaking english to me and said i know who you are you're tara reed blah 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 what where are you living what are you doing and i'm like oh you know, I, would just,
1: you like to name this american on the air i'm happy uh, to name him
2: she, she knew who i was she heard me talking or something and recognized me and said you're tara reed you know and she was an unknown american here just whatever maybe she was harmless maybe she was a good person and i i talked for a few minutes but i wasn't going to give her information about my life well, that's that, because... that's a
1: typical uh, American situation. I mean, a Russian wouldn't walk up to you and within fifteen seconds ask you where you're living, what you're doing, and so forth. It's a little bit sensitive, aren't they? That the, you know, the the Russian mentality, the psyche. That's not how you open a conversation. And I can see the, <laughs> and yeah, it look, it actually looks to me, uh, Tara, that you've you've probably taken on a lot of the Russian mentality in the short time that you're there. You've become a sort of you're being uh, Russified. Russification process is underway, and this uh, American lady that came up to you, and ask you these uh, questions in an imposing way uh that's the type of people it sounds like that, that the russian government is wanting to require to sign these loyalty agreements but again my point is that if russians around you know that you are a, you as a foreigner have signed their loyalty agreement basically a contract a contract with the government a contract of loyalty uh yes. this uh you know that also actually it's interesting that upon entering russia foreigners would also legally require to refrain from propagandizing non-traditional sexual relationships uh the, the draft legislation said so not only is it on a political uh and on a uh, war and peace and government area this uh, agreement this also covers uh the propaganda of non-traditional relations and just for our listeners and viewers who are freaking out and for the uh western media who are gonna no doubt exploit that uh aspect of this loyalty agreement uh we'd like to confirm for our viewers that doesn't mean that the russian government cares or is interested or is uh, cracking down or scrutinizing per- people's uh activities in the bedroom or behind closed doors or whatever there all sorts of people have all sorts of preferences right uh, what it what it does mean is that the propaganda—that's the key word—the propaganda, the public displays. where well, you know, when, for example, when you're in Manhattan or you're in London or you're in Melbourne, wherever you are, and you you know you're with your family and your kids, and there are uh, two people of the same gender in an inappropriate way in a public display of intentional public grandstanding, uh, showing affection or some type of intimacy in front of children. Well, that, I agree, should be illegal. It should be illegal. And that's what the Russian laws are about.
2: I want to interject here because this is really an important conversation because this is, I think, the West is having a war against religion, against Christianity. I, I really truly believe that. Look at in Kiev how they banned the Orthodox Church and gone after monks and nuns in an unprecedented way. Now, you know, I come from Irish Catholic background I'm not practicing. So, uh, you know, I'm not coming from any kind of bias. I'm just I'm telling you what I observe as a geopolitical analysis that that the the West is really doing a war on social, um, you know, on this social issue. So I don't blame the Russian government for wanting to protect children because that's what this is about. It's about protecting children. It's horrible. Like in Seattle, where I had just come from, they had a parade with people naked, little children there. I mean, there were, you know, and and I mean, I have nothing, you know. I'm not a prude. I'm not like whatever. But but when you have little children and a parade and a public parade, they, you know, you don't have that in 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 people's faces because you, different people have different beliefs: Muslim, Orthodox Christian, a Catholic, whatever it is, or or maybe just not religious, but just not wanting your children to lose their childhood. Muslim, Orthodox Christian, a Catholic, whatever it is or or maybe just not religious but just not wanting your children to lose their childhood that that early I, so i really think it's important that we put a stop to the nonsense this this kind of sickness that's taken hold of in my opinion of american culture lately and you know lifting up probably 0.001% of the population that really has no bearing and i think is done as a distraction from all the economic woes that are happening in the united states is to, to look over here instead of looking what's going on so so really i see that part of it as necessary because of that infiltration by the west that happens to other countries like what they're trying to do the wokeness to to other european countries it's really unhealthy and attacks the family
1: right i fully agree with you that the, the president should take uh, in protecting children in protecting children maintaining their uh, innocence and giving them an opportunity to enter the world and grow up without being influenced or indoctrinated by unnecessary adult concepts which are in large even inappropriate for adults on a public level keep it in the bedroom and uh, be tasteful don't be disgraceful have shame where shame is necessary and that's the difference Uh, russians have a conscience, they have a sense of, uh, of pride and dignity. That's what pride is, dignity, that's what it is. Whereas the West is just uh, degrading itself and going down uh, the garden path into more lunacy.